Consider the grace of our God. He took about 400 of his top people and put their raw, unedited stories into our whole library of books. He gathered 66 of these books, books about men and women, kings and slaves, soldiers and prophets, housewives and prostitutes, fishermen and courtiers, and put them into one book. The Bible records it all, the good parts as well as the bad. Why did God pack all these raw accounts into a library for all time and eternity? Because it's for us. The Bible is more than a book. Can I get an amen out of you? There's lots and lots of books, but the Bible is more than a book. And that is my assignment in this series really is to get that across to you. And we're going to be looking at uh, at that in a number of ways. Uh, Will you take a moment and help me welcome our internet audience real quick? Will you do that? Thank you for joining us. It's going to be good. So we hope you get a lot out of this today. Amen. Well, we're going to dive right in this morning, um, and I'll just review a couple of aspects of the Bible being more than a book. We saw a few weeks ago that the Bible is light. It is light. Everybody say it is light. He said that the word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. What does light help us to do? Helps us to be able to see. Without light, we cannot... We cannot see. And so it's so important that we have the light of God's word uh, in our lives. We also saw, saw that the Bible is a warning to us. It gives us warnings. Have you ever, how many of you have ever been warned about something before and you ignored it? And you paid the, the cost for that. I, I'm a strong believer in prevention. Prevention is way better than search and rescue. Okay, and so the Bible warns us about so many things. How many of you know your life would be better off if you had listened to some of the warnings you now know uh, from Scripture? We also saw that the Bible is uh, a key to answered prayer because what, what it shows us is the will of God. It shows us what God wants for us. It shows us what God is against. It helps us to know how to pray and what to pray because it's important that we pray in line with God's will. And the Bible was very clear in doing that. And then last week we saw that the word is what? Bread. Bread. Did I do anything to help you remember that? Okay. The word is bread. I threw bread at you. And this week I want to go a little bit further with something here today. The word is a hammer. Anybody over here? No. Actually, that's not what we're going to cover today, but I thought it would get your attention at least. I think I am going to actually preach with these gloves on, though, because it's kind of, it's kind of cool. No, the word is a hammer indeed, but we're going to look at something a little bit different this morning, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, Another family news item that I want to kind of weave in here, and this is going to involve me humbling myself to the whole church family here. Uh, My son Joshua has been accepted and will be attending the University of Florida this fall. And so I'll just share that. So I'm humbling myself. And I would just like to say in the presence of all of you, go Gators. Okay, I I just want to say that. Uh, but on Friday, we went up for an orientation day, a day-long orientation, and uh, 
it was for like, you know, parents and student. And I went up, just Josh and I went, and uh, Alicia had to be out of town with something. And so we went, and it was a full day, and it was very impressive. And they had some sessions where we were together and some sessions we were apart. And I want you to hear me on what I'm about to say here, where I'm leading with this. And so in one of the sessions then, and Joshua took off to, you know, go to these orientation sessions. And then they kept the parents in this big grand ballroom for a while. And they're telling us different things, filling us in on things. And uh, it was good information. And, you know, I was pleased to get it. But this guy that was sitting behind me, okay, so now overlay it with our context here. This guy sitting behind me, I just don't think he was aware of all the noises he makes. So he's sucking his teeth, he's clicking his pen, he needed an allergy pill, Uh, just all kinds of things going on. He's tapping his foot, hitting the back of my chair, just all these things. And I thought, okay, this is important information that I'm trying to get, but it's not really life-changing information. And I'm distracted and I'm saying, you know, I wish he would stop. No violence intended, sir. Okay. Uh, Now, transpose that here to a church setting. This is life-giving. This is life-changing. And I want you to realize that you have a responsibility. Every one of you have a responsibility to make this a good experience for the people around you. And so, first of all, make sure that you're aware of yourself. Okay? Make sure that you're aware that you're, you know, you're not making extra noises and tapping on people and clicking pins and sucking teeth and doing all kinds of stuff like I'm I'm serious. I don't know. And then a sensitivity to the people around you. But it's a responsibility we have. And I'm going to tell you something that's just absolutely appalling too, okay? Uh, Probably about a month or two ago during the week, I'm cutting through the sanctuary, headed to the other end of the building for something, and one of our facilities personnel guys was in here, and he says, Pastor, i got to show you something. You're just not going to believe it. And I said, okay, what is it? And he showed me fingernail clippings that actually happen in church. Now, it would never be second service people. It was probably somebody from first service. <laughs> i got to tell you the truth, though. I told them it was probably you. So. <laughs> but the thing is, listen, we are the temple of God, but this is a house of God. Amen. And as we gather together in these times, every one of us have a personal responsibility to be sensitive and aware of the people around us so we don't distract anybody. We make this a good thing. You know, it, w- it would be horrible for somebody right in front of you or right, right around you missing out on the message and hating you because of what you might, might be doing. So hear the heart of your pastor on behalf of everybody around you. Uh, let's do all this, and I'll tell you what, church will be even more enjoyable for us. Amen? All right, good deal. And if you know who clipped their nails, <laughs> Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Are you with me? Yes. It says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. Everybody say, Our learning. Our learning. For our learning. For we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, through the scriptures, might have, help me, that we might have hope. That we might have hope. That the scriptures, get this, the scriptures give us hope. The scriptures give us hope. Now, the New Living Translation says this. The scriptures give us hope and encouragement. 
And I want you to note that hope is something we have or do not have. It is not something that we do. However, having hope or not having hope does affect what we do. But it's important that we have hope. Hope is vital in our lives. Hope is vital to our faith. Look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 with me. It says, now faith is the substance of things. Help me. Oh, that was really weak. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so hope then, and I I learned this illustration years ago, hope is like the architect. Hope draws up the blueprints. And faith is the builder. And if you don't have hope, then faith has nothing to build. And faith is what causes us to overcome. How many of you hope something? And and maybe you've got horrible situations in your life. You should at least have some hope about that situation. Amen? Before I get any further, too, I forgot something that I want to make sure that I get across to you. Because my hope is that you will love and read the Word of God. So there's two resources I want to point your attention to this morning, just real quick, uh, that will help you. The first one's called The Essential. Do we have these in the back here? The Essential Bible Companion. And this uh, is available on Amazon and other places as well. It's not an expensive book. You can get it on Kindle or or Nook. And it has two pages. Everybody say two pages. It has two packed pages for every book of the Bible. And so let's say you're going to start reading the book of Mark or Leviticus or whatever you would read. There's going to be two pages. It's going to tell you who wrote it. What was going on then? What was their point? What was happening? What is this about? What's the major purpose of this? How do you see Jesus in this book? Because he's in every book of the Bible. All of those things are right there. That's a great help. Then there's another book here called How to Read the Bible Book by Book. How to Read the Bible Book by Book. And this one goes just a little bit further. Now, here's the benefit of these. Instead of you just reading through the Bible, a bunch of verses strung together, you can kind of see, oh, wow, this is how this fits. This is what's going on there to put some things in context for you. The authors of this book, too, a very scholarly book, the authors of this also have a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. And these little books will help you. They'll help you to be able to understand and get in, and it will fire you up. Amen? All right, back to our regularly scheduled program. And we're not selling those. I'm just pointing you to them because I know they'll, they'll be a help to you and, and you can get a hold of those. Uh, hope is vital to our faith. Hope also is an anchor for our soul. It's an anchor for our soul. And if you don't think your soul needs an anchor, you haven't been anywhere. In Hebrews 6.19, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, the presence behind the veil, that's a, that's a peaceful place. But that's where we're locked in. That's where we're anchored in. Because the connotation of an anchor in Scripture is to hold you stable. It's to hold you steady so you don't lose ground during times of wind and waves and storms. And so hope, listen to me, church, hope will hold you stable. Hope will hold you steady even though things are not going as planned for you. Very, very important here. Now, by definition, hope is an expectation. It's an expectation. I hope this. I expect this. It's a positive expectation. It's not wishing. I'll I'll separate those two in a moment. It's, It's hope. It's a desired end. It has to do with the future. Everybody say future. And maybe have a a hope about your future. And maybe have a hope about your future. 
And you know, you've got to have hope because everything right now may not be hunky-dunky for you. There may be some real pressure. There may be some real uh, adversity, some opposition, whatever. Or maybe you don't know what to do yet. You, you've got to have a hope. You've got to ho- have hope for your children and for your marriage and your finances and your health and an endeavor that you've stepped out in, a project that you're working on, something, uh, an office that you're running for, whatever it would be. You've got to have hope. You better have some kind of hope for that. Well, I don't know why. I just, my children, you know, you don't want to live life that way. You've got to have some hope in your life. And it's about your future. It is the grounds for believing that something good will happen. It is a feeling of trust. And one of the great problems in our world, watch this, is too many people are, they're hopeless. They're hopeless. And when you're hopeless, faith has nothing to work with. You don't have an anchor and your future is lost somewhere in the, in the smoke and in the fog of everything. One of the causes for hopelessness that is rampant in the world is that people tend to follow this. They tend to look at their future through the lens of their past. And when you do that and you look at it through the lens of past mistakes and past problems and past disappointments and past pain and past relationships and past, you know, disappointments, whatever it will be. When you look at it through that, then you tend to be hopeless. You tend to be hopeless. But here's the thing about the past and the future in regards to hope. Hope has to do with the future, but hope is based upon his past, not your past. Do you hear that? It's about your future, but it's based on his past, not your past. And the thing we know about his past is he is faithful and he's just plain out awesome. Amen. Amen. Now, how can we, where can we find hope? And the obvious answer is God. And God has many ways to get hope to you. But for me, the big surefire way, tested and tried, to get hope in your life is in the scripture. It's in the scripture. Let me read you a couple of things here. Romans 15, 4 in the New Living, it says the scripture gives us hope. Everybody read that with me. The scripture gives us hope and encouragement. Look at Psalm 119, verse 114. You are my refuge and my strength. Read this part with me. Your word is my source of hope. Say it again. Your word is my source for hope. So the Bible gives hope. The Bible strengthens hope. And so here's the thing that I want to tell you. Listen to me. Don't just sit there in life, hopeless, with your Bible closed. Don't just sit there in life, hopeless, with your Bible closed. Because if you open your Bible and if you'll get it in you in the right way, which I'm going to share some things with you on this, hope will come into you. Scripture gives you hope. Scripture strengthens the hope that you do have. And it's beyond me that people would sit there in life hopeless. I'm talking about believers too. Sit there in life hopeless with their Bible closed. Open your Bible. And if I can say it this way, crack the book. And get on the inside of this and let it get on the inside of you so that you could have hope. Now look at this in Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. A couple of things. 
The basis for the hope, and let me just say this. If you open the book, it will give you hope so that you don't have to be hopeless. You can be hope. You can be hopeful. Now, the basis of hope, and we just read this in Hebrews 10, 23. The basis of hope are the promises. That's the basis of hope. If you don't have a promise, you're wishing. Yesterday in Bryant Park in New York City, my daughter went from wishing to now hope in her future. Why? Because she was given a promise. You following? Okay. The basis of hope is the promise. The strength of the promise is the one who made the promise. And for our purposes, that's God. So who's holding this all up? How can I have any hope? Because I have some promises. Where did you get those promises? I got them from God. So ultimately, our hope comes from God. Now, if, if he's squirrely, if he's sketchy, if we can't count on him, then his promises are no good, and you and I are not going to have any kind of hope. You know, if anybody comes up to you and you don't know them, and they're trying to sell you something out of their jacket, you know, or whatever it would be, you know, you're going to be feeling like, and I promise you... For you, only for you, and today only. You know, if you, we're not really trusting that. Is the church here? Okay. And so we're not really, not really trusting that. But you need to know this. Get this in your mind. The basis of the hope is the promises. And the strength of the promises is the one who made the promises. And that is God Almighty. Look at a couple of things about this Almighty God here. In Titus 1-2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, cannot lie, promised before time began. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Hebrews 6, 18, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. I want you to get that. Say, it is impossible for God to lie. Let's say it together. It is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, because of that, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. So the basis of the hope is the promises. The strength of the promises is the one who made those promises. And we can count on him. Amen. Amen. Now, the living words of scripture, and I've got to kind of draw this out for you. It didn't go real good first service, but I'll try it again. This is a guy. It's days like this, I wish we had three and four services so I could really get, get, this, get this down here. Okay, this is a guy. And uh, here he is. Everybody stretch your hands out toward my guy. He needs some, <laughs> some prayer right here. Okay, he just needs some, some hair or something here. Okay. Um, I've totally lost my place now. It is the life-giving, get this, it is the life-giving words of God, the life-giving words of God that we intentionally, intentionally, Put into our minds 
and we get into our hearts that gives us hope. The life-giving words of God promises. We've got to intentionally, that means on purpose, means with some effort. Y'all hear me? I mean to do it. I'm doing this on purpose. I'll push things out of the way to make sure it happens. I'm going to get the word, these life-giving words into my mind and into my heart. It's important that they're in my mind. They're important that they're in my heart. You ready? We must also have it one other place. And that is right here. In our mouth. Because your mind is a clearinghouse. It's a processing center. Everything comes in there and your mind has to sort it. And when it first comes in, depending on your frame of mind, you're either cynical, skeptical, believing, gullible, everything in between. And so we're sorting that out. Is this true? Is this not true? Is this helpful? Is this a threat? You know, whatever it is, and the, and the mind is stacking it up. And how many of you know that sometimes system overload, system overload, and we're confused, it's cluttered, it's like, okay, everybody just stop, you know? And so what we have to do is intentionally, this is why we've got to get peacefully before God, intentionally before God, and load this into our minds and get this into our hearts. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've got to have it in our mouth too. Never use your own mouth to speak against the hope that is in your heart and that's in your mind. Why would you do that? You know, why would you say bad things about your future? Why would you say something bad about your future? Other people say something about your future and go, what? Huh? Hammers. It's my future. Well, why would you? Why would you talk bad about your kids, your finances, your marriage? Things you're stepping out to do. Why would you do that? Don't you have a hope? Don't you have a hope? Where'd you get your hope? I got my hope from here. I found some promises and you base it on those promises. And you get them in intentionally into your mind and you intentionally get them into your heart. And we're going to look before this series is out on how to do that. But it is so important that it is also in your mouth. Never use your own mouth to speak against your hope. And I'm going to make you a promise here. If hope is in your mouth, hope will stay in your heart. I'll say it again. If hope is in your mouth, hope will stay in your heart. And the more it gets reinforced right here, it's going to stay in your brain too. And it's nice when your mind gets renewed to the hope that you have in God. Is anybody still with me here today? Now, the basis of the hope. Do I need to cover this up or y'all good? Okay. The basis of the hope is the promises. The basis of the hope is the promises. The strength of the promises is who made those promises. So what is it that we're going to have in our mouth? What is it that we're going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about the promises of God. What God said that frames my hope. And also the attributes of God because the strength of the promise is the one who made those promises. So that is what we're going to have to get into our mouth, in our mind, and in our heart. So as we go through life, you're going to have to speak. Now listen to me, your speech centers in your brain dominate your brain. So if you're thinking about something and you want to change what you're thinking about, turn on, engage the speech centers. It will override and trump anything else that's going on at that point. It will bring to focus what you talk about. That's why it's important what you talk about. 
what you choose to talk about. That's why scripture has so much to say about what you talk about and what you don't talk about. And this is not just a matter of I'm not going to say nasty words. Good. I hope you wouldn't. But what you should do is give some hope-filled words. Hope-filled words. Where am I going to get hope-filled words in a world like we live in? Right out of God's word. And they're found in the form of promises. Promises. That's the basis of your hope. And the strength of your hope is the one who made those promises. So what needs to be in your mouth is what he said, the promises. And what needs to be in your mouth is how awesome he is. His attributes. I just made up just this little list this morning. It only took me just a little while. I may not even go through the whole thing. But this kind of thing needs to be in your mouth. And I'm not talking about thinking it. I'm talking about speaking it. And I'm not talking about getting up in the lunchroom table at work and speaking it. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, they're going to they're gonna haul you away. <laughs> this is for you in your car. This is for you in the shower. This is for you on your walk. This is for you... Uh, Working in your garden. This is for you with, like precious, uh, with people of like precious faith. This is for you when you're working and doing stuff. You can mutter to yourself. You can say these things and they need to be in your mouth. It's the way you're designed. And we don't have time to go into all of that today. But I'm telling you what. You keep your heart and your mouth together. Keep your heart and your mouth together. Keep your heart and your mouth together. And it's going to help this thing up here as well. Here's just a few. And these kind of things need to be in, in your mouth. Troubles come. I got a challenge. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I might as well just give up. How about instead of that, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the Lord shall preserve, and I'm going to personalize him. The Lord shall preserve my going out and my coming in. And the Lord will bless me as the righteous. With favor, he will surround me with a shield. He makes even my enemies to be at peace with me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that would rise up against me in judgment, I will condemn because this is my heritage as a servant of the Lord. And I know that all things work together for good for me because I love God and I'm called according to his purposes. And the Lord will command blessing on me and in my storehouse and in all to which I set my hand. And he will bless the land in which the Lord is giving me. And though I walk in the midst of trouble, he will revive me. He will stretch out his hand against the wrath of my enemies. And his right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And his mercy, your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your own hands. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And he will keep me in perfect peace because my mind is stayed on him because I trust in him. And the Lord is my shepherd. Hop in. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then I will dwell. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. Some of you are saying, I just can't sleep no matter what I do. Will you hit me in the head? You know. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. No evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come near my dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. Behold, 
Jesus said, I have given you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, I'm not done. And that just means nothing. Unless I know who made those promises. So I also fill my mouth with stuff like this. You okay? Can I go a minute longer? And you, God, are faithful. And you're almighty. And you're able. And you're powerful. And you're patient. And you're loving. And you're perfect. And you cannot fail. And you never lie. And you're the prince of peace. And you're rich in mercy. And you're the God of all grace. And you're the creator. And you're the redeemer. And you're all powerful. And you're all knowing. And you're everywhere present at once. And you never lie. And with you nothing is impossible. Nothing is even difficult. And you never leave me. And you never forsake me. You are my strength. And my fortress. And my shield. And my refuge. You're my heavenly father. And because of that, the basis of the hope is the promises. And the strength of the promises is the one who made those promises. Then I can stand and say, I'm loved. And I'm forgiven. And I'm blessed. And I have favor. It's going to be all right. And something the Lord's put in my heart, I've been ministering to people kind of one-on-one with lately, and they're in a tough situation. And I don't know how to fix it for them, but I know who can fix it for them. And this is my parting shot to them lately. Watch what God will do. Those are words of hope. Watch what God will do. Instead of, stinks to be you. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. And God will come through. And when he does, never be surprised. But always be amazed. Always be amazed. Now let me just finish. The Bible gives us hope and it strengthens the hope that we have. So why would any of us sit there hopeless with our Bible closed? Become intentional and take the living words of scripture, the promises and get them into your mind and get them into your heart and keep them in your mouth. And you, my friend, have a hope and you have a future. And faith has something to build. And you have an anchor for your soul. The Bible is more than a book. Because if you'll get into it, it will give you hope. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.